We say it all the time, and we're here to say it again. Your brand is not just your logo. Your brand is the feeling that someone gets when they interact with any part of your company, from seeing an ad, landing on your website, or receiving an email about their trip. Your brand should be thought of as an all-encompassing external perception. Today, we are with our creative director and branding genius slash matchmaker, Amanda Lynn Webb. Amanda Lynn takes a psychological approach to brand development to ensure that your brand is aligned with your travel business and that ideal client. Hey, it's your travel industry best friends, Robin and Jen from Teak. We're obsessed with practically anything that touches your business and allows you to scale to the level of success that you've always dreamt of. With Robin's background in sales and marketing and Jennifer's experience as a management level HR professional, we grew a small itinerary creation company into a multi-million dollar travel agency. And now we aim to help others skip the hard stuff and get right to the big wins. We're probably each recording this holding a glass of wine. So pour one up with us, grab a seat, and join us to talk all things travel and business. Mandolin, welcome to the podcast. Hi, guys. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Like Robin said, I'm a mandolin. I'm the creative director at Teak. I've been with you guys for, what, about a year and a half now. I've been fascinated with branding and marketing ever since I was a little kid. I started a business at age 11 and just really fell in love with getting the word out there about it. In college, I studied business, started working in marketing for like the athletic department at my school. After graduation, I became a marketing director for a construction company. At the same time, I was learning a ton about graphic design, taught myself web design, and really fell in love with that aspect of branding and marketing. Throughout my career in marketing, I always had design clients on the side. And then 2020 rolled around. And I think it made all of us take a really hard look at ourselves and evaluate what our priorities were. I decided it was time to make a big change. So I took the leap. I left corporate, started my own brand and web design business. And that ultimately led me here to join the Teak team. And I think my background in marketing and business really taught me what a huge role psychology plays in decision-making when it comes to business and in turn, what a big role that plays in branding and getting into the headspace of who you're targeting is really going to be able to inform the decisions that you're making when it comes to branding and ultimately translate into more success for your business. Just to give a little background on how we stumbled into having a mandolin on the team, which was the most incredible turn of events that we experienced. Robin and Amanda Lynn had taken the same course, not the same cohort, correct? It might have been the same cohort. Yeah, but it was a brand designer who like did a million weeks. It was really long. It was, like, it was so long. And it was every single day. It was like school, but it was about like a design business. And so when we were launching Teak, I was like, Jen, it's a lot of money, but I think I got to do it. And Jen's like, do it, jump. So I did. Yeah. And then I went back to Facebook and I was like, Hey, if anybody knows anyone or is interested in designing, but maybe not business. Cause I think there's a difference between like loving booking travel and like loving running a business and running a business is different than mm-hmm. booking travel. Just like running a business is different than designing. We were looking for that person who just wanted to dig in on design and like have full reign basically. Cause I wanted to see my way out of it just so that I could focus on more like big term growth for tea. But I went honestly, yeah, it happened at the perfect time because that was me. I love design so, so much, but the ins and outs and the daily headache for me of running a business was really wearing on me. I don't know, divine timing. (laughs) 
I just love that because it, we were going to recruit in a very traditional way. And Robin's like, wait, let me put in the Facebook group for this course. And to me, everyone that attended that course probably has a similar, not a similar aesthetic, but a similar philosophy around the style. And because it was a very distinct style that the designer had. So to us, it was like, okay, this person that's done this course is going to get it in quotation marks. You guys can't see me, but they're going to get it. They're going to understand and it hit the nail on the head. But our process was kind of taken from that course anyway. So somebody doing that course, probably at the same creative direction, like brand design, strategy, timeline, all of those things that align where it wouldn't be as big of a jump to be like, and now here's a whole new way of doing something. It was kind of like a seamless, well, you already learned basically our process. We do it maybe somewhat differently, but ultimately not too different. Yeah. It was the same systems and everything. Yeah. And I was already doing the same systems in my business as well. So it was super seamless transition. I mean, thank God, because we didn't have an onboarding plan for you. So (laughs) (laughs) welcome. You get to figure it out. (laughs) You remember what to do, right? (laughs) Most of our employees got that sort of mindset. So if anyone on this podcast is listening and they're like, Jen and Robin have it all together. We do not. It's still a work in progress. Uh, yeah, I've I've learned very well by being thrown to the wolves sometimes, so it's fine. <laughs> it all worked out good. Before we go forward, though, you can't skip over the fact that you started a business at age 11 and not tell us what that business was. Oh my gosh. I started a snow cone business. I saved up my allowance and I bought a snow cone machine. And it started as a very simple just like stand at the end of my driveway. And I was trying to like attract the parents as they were like coming home from work in the afternoon to like get a treat or bring their kids to get a treat. And it just started popping off. And from there, I started putting flyers up. I started making these like marketing materials for this snow cone stand. Y'all, it took off like wildfire. I started getting booked to do like open bar snow cones at family reunions and birthday parties. And then my ultimate pinnacle of success with that business (laughs) The town where I lived, 4th of July was a huge deal there, really big to do. And I got booked by the town to do snow cones at their like 4th of July. Why are you still not doing this? Why why did the business close? (laughs) (laughs) Franchising this. So this was like my first taste of business. And I was like, I love this. (laughs) People were so disappointed when you closed up shop, probably. Oh my God. She's like, I'm going to high school now. I have to put this in the past. And the town is like, no. The local ice cream shops calling like the like food inspector being like, shut her down. (laughs) Probably did not have a good sanitation score or anything. Yeah, that was my really come around until 2010 (laughs) anyways. Like that's when parents started freaking out about kids eating off the floor. Right. (laughs) All the red dye. (laughs) Oh, you're you're eating Vienna sausages? Cool. (laughs) Uh, Every time I talk about gross kid food, it always comes back to Vienna sausages for me. You really do always come back to Vienna sausages. So disgusting. Every time you've brought it up this week. Trauma. Or trauma. (laughs) All right. So those listening probably already know that I, this is Jennifer, did not have any clue what a brand kit was when I started Explorator. If you've listened to these podcasts before, you know that I got my logo on Fiverr. And you might not know this, but I just thought that fonts came with a website. Like I just 
thought you hired a website designer and they recommended some fonts and they picked your colors and that's what you were partially paying them for. I had no idea that there was a whole sector of the marketing industry that was dedicated to the psychology of honing in on what your brand is supposed to evoke with someone. And so I was just flying blind. Luckily, my website designer was willing to pick those fonts for me because I'd really be up a creek. But if you are thinking that you thought the same thing, you are not alone because now here we are. I am co-owner of Teak and we are a branding firm. And I myself had no idea what a brand kit was. Meanwhile, Robin had a much deeper knowledge of the concept. She's always been very I think aesthetically minded. Robin, you always have had like a very design forward eye. And I feel like your taste has always been very refined. So there's a little. um, I do think that you've always had the skill and talent for design. But where did your marketing background start? I never, never went to school for brand design, never took a course on graphic design. I went to school for psychology. But in college, my dad hated me because every single week I'd call and I'd like learn something new. And I'm like, I think I'm going to be a history major now. And he's like, I thought, whatever happened to biology? I'm bored. So then I'd go and I'd transition and have to meet with my advisor and I became a history major. And then once I went to history for two weeks, I decided I'm bored. I want to do marketing. So then I went to marketing and I kept that for like two months until I eventually was like, "Mm, no. And then I went psych and that was like the one class that actually captured my attention where every single day I showed up, I wanted to take notes. I just found it so fascinating. I had like the science background to it. So I did a lot more in the lab and like actually running experiments. So I was like a bachelor of science versus bachelor of arts. And I got really into it. I was a TA and I always had this just fascination with psychology and like how we, why we tick, why we feel the way we feel about things. So I think that's where part of that came from. As a travel advisor, we wear a lot of hats, planner, budget manager, fortune teller, therapist, meteorologist. But the one thing that we don't have to be is a graphic designer. Why? Because Canva does that for us with hundreds, maybe even thousands of templates to choose from. Social media and marketing can be a breeze. Just upload images and your brand kit and the possibilities are endless. Think email header graphics, social media posts and reels, client welcome guides, business cards, and so much more. No more expensive outsourcing. Canva Pro has you covered. To get started looking like the professional that you are, use Teak's affiliate code in the show notes. I was pretty big in my sorority in college, Jennifer as well was in the same sorority as me. So I was president and we did a lot of marketing. And honestly, that was where I found branding. You're buying into a brand, you're buying into like a little on-campus brand. And so that's when I really, it opened my eyes to like, oh, okay, so this is what Capitalta is. This is our brand. How do we communicate that with PNMs, which were potential new members going through recruitment, looking for sororities to join? So I think that was my first little taste of branding without me even knowing that's what I wanted to do. All creativity gets shot down in the corporate world. You're very much like (laughs) on a certain timeline, talking to certain people, doing things a certain way. So I did marketing. I created advertisements for brands in the local Jacksonville area that would run in our, like it's a little called Money Pages. It was like a little book or whatever, coupon book. 
So that was like, I had more fun. I hated generating business. I don't, y'all know, I don't like phone calls, but I love designing those brands. I have the best ads and the funnest colors that were aesthetically pleasing, but my sales weren't like anything crazy. Cause I was like, oh, I want to do cold calling. So that's when I was like, I got into the marketing side of things on like purchasing decisions and I don't know, it kind of all culminated together. So I, when I started working with Jen and like growing my own book of business with Explore Tour Travel, when I was an o- my own independent contractor underneath Jen, that's when I guess I kind of got a little bit more into like business, small business branding, marketing in the travel space. We were obviously new. We were taking on anyone and everyone. And so me and Jen were finally like, hard stop. Let's Let's take a back seat a little bit and like analyze where we want to go with the business and then work backwards from there. Once we knew what we wanted to do, COVID happened. That was again, when my little, I have a squirrel brain. I tell people this all the time. I'm like thinking a million things at any given time. So when COVID hit and I had a lot more free time, I was like, I'm bored. I got to do something else. So it was kind of like my psychology major all over again, where I was like changing majors 24 seven. And I wanted to do something creative. Like I've always enjoyed creativity. I used to paint when I was little. It was big with my grandma. It was like how we spend time together. So I've always had that like creative itch to me that wasn't necessarily travel is creative. And that's when I found that course. I kind of taught myself how to do websites. I was like, Jen, I'm passionate about one thing. And that's changing the way people think of travel advisors. Like, I don't care if I never saw another trip. I just want people to stop being like travel advisors. Are they still a thing? Cause I, I couldn't stand it. But like at the same time, I'm looking at all these people with advisors who are in the industry and I'm looking at their brands and I'm like, you look like you belong in a strip mall with a headset in the nineties. So like, I wanted to elevate that because from our experience, there were newer agents coming into the travel space who didn't necessarily feel like they fit in because it felt like a dated industry brand. I don't know if that makes sense. So I was very passionate about, cause I can't just do one thing. I want to, I want to help the whole world. And I wanted to help everyone in the travel industry get that brand that they love that is elevated. Because I think when you have like a true brand and Jen, you can probably speak to this. Like when your brand goes from that first Fiverr logo that, or the first logo that your daughter made for you in clip art one day, cause she was in a graphic design course. But when you go from that to like a real brand that's made with intention and strategy and you see what it does to your business, I was like, oh, this is powerful. More people need to know about this. And I saw people doing brand design a lot for wellness people. They were like specific brand designers for wellness space. There were specific brand designers for skincare lines and small weddings, photographers. That's big. There were people who were niching in these places. And I'm like, there's nobody doing travel. And this is the coolest industry. So that's when me and Jen sat down and I was like, I think, I think we we have something here and there's not enough people in the industry because they're good at what they do. Like they're good at travel, but they probably don't understand the psychology and the branding aspect. So to be that beacon of light I guess, <laughs> for the industry and just like give people a brand that not only is going to make them love their business. I think you show up different when you have a brand you love but love their business again, but also like attract the people that they want to be talking to through those psychological triggers. It's just like magic. I completely agree. It's also really interesting what you said about sororities being a brand. I never even really thought about that, but that's so true. And especially like each chapter on each campus is its own little brand. I, 
I love that way of thinking about it. Yeah. You have to have a yeah. niche in the, in the sorority space or else you're just another clapping girl on, in one person. <laughs> <laughs> like, you really do have to. Oh my gosh. Someone, so our, our babysitter actually was like, uh, sororities. And she was started like smack talking them. And I was like, I want you to, to think though, the people that you see on TikTok doing Bama Rush Talk are like the 2% of people, okay? They're the 2% representing an entire world of humans. And there's another 98% that I swear you could find your friends with. It's just that those 2%, they probably ended up in the same house probably, but you create a small community. So I'm very passionate about this because there's a lot of cliches that go with it. And I'm like, you know, it's smaller than you think. But that actually sorority was the first place that I had hard conversations and had to work with a budget too. Because in in recruitment, like recruitment is intake calls and leadership being on council is having hard conversations with people. And then budgeting is the finance part of the business. And it's actually shocking to me how many people poo-poo it as something you know, you bought your friends. I'm like, okay, but I think I actually took away more from sorority than I took away from my degree in general. So I'm never going to like smack talk sorority. Yes, I did pay for my friends, but I got a second degree. So if you want to put the, roll those dues into like a social degree, that's what I got. Fun fact, Robin and I are both Enneagram threes. We're both president of the same sorority at different campuses at different times. And I became the traveling advisor, which she later became as well. I was a traveling leadership consultant and I visited UNF. And then when I moved to Jacksonville, then I became the recruitment advisor at UNF. And that's how I met Robin. And I wrote her recommendation for the traveling consultant job, which she got. And then when she came back, the magic so happened. You don't want to just do one thing because we were constantly working nonstop, doing a million things, going from campus to campus. She's like, you probably don't just want a normal job. So that's when I got into like helping her with the back end stuff. And you want to also watch my dog and house it? <laughs> <laughs> Live here when I'm gone? Sure. Which I did it because at the time, I mean, I'm living by myself. It was boring. I got a pool. I got a dog and I stuck the freezer with pizza and I have a wine rack full of white wine for you. We actually have a client and I won't say who, but I was on a Tahiti fam and she, spoiler alert, she's one of my favorite clients and y'all know we were talking about how her logo is the most, like the epitome of everything we want a logo to be. And we just did it. She is a capital Delta two. And we're sitting at the table in Tahiti. And she says like, she was in a sorority and I'm like, what are you? And I'm like, instant connection. And I'm like, you are the brand I want to be. Like it, it actually translated later in life because she is, I would say with, without having a monthly phone call of her, with her or anything, like she is the brand that I aspire to be in life. And so those values and just like the essence of what she is, I was like, man, they got it right on a national level because it's still translating across campuses and later in life. So if that's the power of branding, I mean, that's a very human example of it. But just to personify what a brand can do for you, it's like, I, I find it mind boggling. And it's not shocking to me that Robin and I were both psych majors and we ended up in this business and I find it very interesting that there are professors right now that are doing marketing that could not even touch remotely what 
psych majors are doing now because psych majors know how to analyze, whereas marketing professors, maybe they're very tenured, we'll say, maybe they're tenured and their strategies aren't working in this digital age. And I'm like, you know what? People used to make fun of psych majors. They were like, hey, that's a useless major. (laughs) And here we are like, actually, no, we can do almost any industry because we can read people. I love that. No, I think those two majors kind of like go hand in hand, you know, when it comes to the branding and marketing space, 100% so much psychology does go into it. And that's the power of branding. Again, what you were talking about, these newer agents, when you guys were at that point in your business, wondering like, what's next, all these newer agents trying to enter the industry, and they're thinking that it's the 90s strip mall with the headset. That's the power of branding to take someone's perception of an entire industry and take it from that to what I think we're doing in the travel space is really updating how people view travel advisors. And it is a much more modern, hip thing now. Not to toot our own horns, but I do think that the work we are doing has definitely impacted that and helped that in the travel space. I agree. And it's brought more knowledge for sure that a brand identity is a thing that people need to be concerned about because it's not something that I believe was talked enough about in the industry. Frankly, just business practices in general were not discussed in the industry unless you are really entrenched in ASTA, which they're going to always like stand up for the business side of travel. But a lot of people get into travel not to do business, but to do that creative part and to go on the beautiful trips and to have the glass of champagne and to work with people. But we say this all the time. I mean, there are a lot of people that forget that their business actually is a business and they fail to treat it as such past the point of collecting commissions. Amanda Lynn, share a little bit about how branding impacts purchasing decisions and your thoughts on that. It plays such a huge role. And I think if that's a hard concept for you to kind of grasp, look at yourself in the brands that you are drawn to. What is your favorite clothing brand, for example. I mean, it doesn't have to be in the travel space. What makes you willing to choose that brand over other brands in the same space and oftentimes pay more for that brand than the other brands that are in the space. And I think it really comes down to a combination of things. It's normally the client experience that you have with that company. It's the quality of the product and the aesthetics. It's so many different factors. But I think looking at your own purchasing decisions as a consumer is really telling. Okay. So I have a fun activity for us. And this is just an idea. Amanda Lynn, if you were an existing brand, what would you be? Okay. I actually do know it's hands down my favorite brand. It's not a brand that I necessarily purchase from all the time because it's just not a thing that you would purchase all the time. There is this swimwear company. It's called Acacia. They're a Hawaii-based swimwear brand. Very expensive, but the product is amazing. Like it's worth the money. I've been obsessed with them since they launched back in like the early 2010s. I don't know. I they were always just doing something different. They took like a totally different approach to the swimwear industry. They were founded by women who got it and who were surfers and who were swimming constantly. So they knew what like a suit needed to be to fit into that lifestyle. But yeah, the quality piece was always there. The designs were super cool. It was really elevated and artsy. And they had all these different capsules that would drop. And like that was always really fun. They knew how to 
build that anticipation for their next drop and everything. I love them to this day. They're also sustainable and nonprofit, which I feel like totally align with your personal values. And I think that's part of a brand is aligning with values. Yeah. And like, I don't know when I see their, I mean, this ties into branding and marketing both. I think now on social media, we are so inundated with ads and posts and everything. And it, I don't know about you guys, but for me, if I get on Instagram, it's all kind of like a C, it all just blurs together. Their posts, they have a very distinctive look, like their photography and their video, all of that. It's just, it's so uniquely them. I can be scrolling through and when I see it, I stop and I know that it's Acacia. I love that. All right, Robin, what would you be? Everybody who's ever talked to me about branding or any presentation I give on branding knows that I'm obsessed with anthropology. It's just such a dynamic brand. And if you look at anthropology's logo, it's the most simple serif logo. Everything that they do, the experience of going into anthropology, like I can't hear the word anthropology and not think of the volcano candles. Is it me? Maybe not. I don't wear a lot of frilly, weird colors and stuff like that. But if I wanted to be a brand, it would be anthropology because they're just dynamic from the scent to the way the stores are laid out are all a little bit different there. I've never seen more beautiful displays in front of a boutique. I used to work at Lacoste in college and that was like the opposite of my brand. And I remember having to like do the displays and we were right to caddy corner in town center to anthropology. And their displays were always these super thought out, gorgeous ones. And I'm like, just flipping the mannequin shirt to turquoise because it's spring. That was literally all I did. So I, I didn't like that it felt so stale. And then anthropology was just, even their, ver- like the way they word things on their website is great. Their brand messaging is awesome. And again, it's not for everybody and they're not trying to appease to everybody. You have to go in there and buy quality clothes, but I will because I know that it's going to last me. I have rompers I've worn since college that still miraculously fit, which is awesome, but it's held up. It's like good quality stuff that I don't wear twice and have to throw away. It's just amazing. They send me birthday cards every year that look like it's from like an actual friend, not like from a huge department store type of situation. So they do a lot of things correct in their branding. I also think of Gigi Pip when I think of you, Robin. Like, Oh, I love that. Yeah. And yeah, I can see that. Right? It's like very clean lines. There's a little bit of moodiness in there. I know you love like a moodier vibe sometimes. And when I think of you, actually, I think of your Estelle wine glasses that are the smoke. And I feel like that's very on brand for you. So like when I look at Gigi Pip's whole aesthetic, I'm very clean and there's a lot of like white and neutrals, but it's got a sense of moodiness to it. And it just feels very you as well. And not to get too much down a rabbit hole on a tangent, but one thing that you said about anthropology that also rings true for Acacia, the logo is super simple. And I think that's such a hallmark of luxury branding, in my opinion, is just clean, simple, tight-based logos. And oh, I could talk about that forever. Mine is a very simple logo. Belmont is mine. And I know that's travel-based, but that also is me. So... Yeah, it lands. And and actually, it was like one of the example brands that I gave to Amanda Lynn when we were revamping. But I love how if you've ever been targeted for an Instagram ad on with Belmond, they have this approach to luxury that is so fun. Like I just landed on their web website and it's like people are dancing or they're having a spritz and they're sitting in the sunshine. 
and then it's got linen swaying in the breeze. Like they do such a great job of making luxuries still look approachable and fun. But also my favorite thing is that they never build. They always renovate. So it's always kind of like a structure that's like a pillar in the community and they renovate it to bring it back to life. And I love that like classic feel that they always have. And I I love the concept of having classic with a little bit of fun. I love that. I guess I don't know enough about the Belmont brand, but is it kind of similar to Four Seasons where no Four Seasons looks like it's all the design of a Four Seasons is based on the location. Like the Palm Beach Four Seasons looks nothing like the Miami Four Seasons and that looks nothing like the whatever else Four Seasons. Is it that sort of situation? Yes, but they have a little less formality to it in my mind. It's a sans serif font. They use bright yellow. They use bright oranges and it's always someone having like fun rather than just looking like chic and having this air of luxury. It's more like the experience is luxury, which I love that concept of. I I challenge anyone, go ahead, look at their website. They also use a script, which I think is really fun. So they really do a great job of like bringing luxury down to this human level. Yeah. I love their website actually. It's so great. I encourage everyone to go and take a peek at it. When I started Explorator, my genuine mindset was to market to anyone that traveled. Like I thought that was the brand was I'm, my clientele is anyone that wants to get on a plane or get in a car and go somewhere and experience anything. Like it was literally that general. And I, I thought, how does a travel agency market to someone when you're just marketing to anyone that loves to travel? And it actually took me being told by referrals, like, Hey, I was told to come to you for experiential Italy. And I was told to come to you for our family's Spain trip. And we want to do food focus. And then it also took people not coming to me for things like I booked an all-inclusive without going to Jennifer and just the sting of that. I was like, Oh, so is that not my brand? Like are people not going to come to me? Is my brand, it's exclusive in the way that it's ostracizing a certain demographic. And even though that stung, it was very clarifying to me to realize like, yes, actually, I don't want everyone. I don't want that person coming to book the Ryu with me. I don't want that person coming to me to book their destination wedding. I do actually want some exclusivity in my brand for the things that I love doing. And that's what I think a lot of people fail to realize is that your brand should exclude people. This episode was just too beefy to be contained into one session. For easier listening, we've split this recording into two parts. Make sure to subscribe to get notified when this new episode drops on Thursday. We're sending you a long distance cheers because you just finished another episode of Teak Talk. If you loved what you heard, hit subscribe and head over to the show notes for any resources and a summary of this episode. In the meantime, if you want more access to us, we are personally inviting you to join our Niche by Teak community, where we host live events, answer your questions, share destination masterclasses, and give you a front row seat to all the resources that we launch throughout the year. Plus, what's better than being surrounded by like-minded advisors that are hyping you up to succeed each day? We think nothing. Head over to www.teakhq.com backslash niche to join the community today.